0: Run the Film is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know NFL ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game the app is simple quick and easy to navigate it's an easy two-tap checkout so head to the app store or play store now to download game time and score awesome deals on last minute tickets man you gotta get a you gotta get a, a cheat sheet or something that's terrible that'll kill us you like that you
1: like that i'm just about that action boss you cannot lose games in the nfl and still win
0: you are listening to run the film with kirk morrison and ted Wynn only on the athletic podcast network
1: welcome back once again to the podcast network of the athletic this is run the film i'm kirk morrison he's ted to we're going to take you back to uh, last week's games week number nine in the nfl and we look ahead to week number 10. So much to get caught up on, as we always do every single week. But, Ted, I want to start it off as we look back just at what happened in week number nine. We had some injuries. We've had some some guys kind of step up in some situations. I'll start with just the injury front uh, from week number nine. The Houston, I'm sorry, the Tennessee Titans uh, lost Malcolm Butler. He suffered a broken wrist. He's going to be out um, for a, little, a period of time, we believe. What does that do possibly to the chances of Tennessee defensively, a team that's feeling like they still have a chance to be in the in the race for a playoff spot?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's big. They were playing so well. I, I think they were one of the top defenses as, as far as points allowed. And uh, they, they want to play a lot of man coverage, a lot of quarters. And obviously that's going to be really difficult without uh, Malcolm Butler, who has been playing better recently than he, he has been.
1: Yeah, Titans are sitting right there. They're at four and five. That's a big loss for them as they move forward. But we'll see what happens. Obviously, you got to like you know what they're doing in terms of defensively, like you mentioned, Ted, and Mike Vrabel, get these guys together. Brian Tannehill's is giving them a little, little bit offensively, but they did lose last week to Carolina. We'll get into more of that on the show. But uh, as I run down just the, the injuries coming out of week number nine, And I look at the next injury, one that may have a little more lasting effect than a Malcolm Butler injury, but it was the injury to quarterback Jacoby Brissett of the Indianapolis Colts. Look, Brissett, to me, I think is a starting quarterback in this league. And he's showing you that by the way the play of the Indianapolis Colts. They're a team that right now, I think they're probably going to win that division or they'll tie the division. There'll be one or two. It's between them and Houston. But right now he goes out, you enter Brian Hoyer and look, Brian Hoyer to me is a career backup. He's tried the starting thing. didn't work. But Jacoby Brissett is the answer to me right now until they do what? Until they want a long-term answer or he could be the long-term answer, but him being out, how does that affect do you think the Indianapolis Colts?
0: Yeah. So luckily it's an MCL uh, strain, nothing torn. Um, so, uh, I think he'll be able to return maybe after a, a week of rest. Um, but I, mean, I think it speaks just um, to the, the Colts and how they prepared their roster that uh, I think Hoyer is a career backup, like you said. And, but he is, uh, I think he's a, one of the better backups. I mean, you, know, you don't really judge teams off how good their third string uh, quarterbacks are. But as far as third strings go, go Hoyer is probably one of the best uh, third string quarterbacks there is because I think he can go in and actually win you a game or two. Um, I don't think that you want him to be starting too many games but as a, as a spot starter a guy that might come in and give you some energy off the bench he he might be uh might be a, a guy that could win a game or two for the colts so um they are yeah you know, it's just weird to see a team that lost andrew luck now losing percent maybe for a couple of weeks and still might be able to win a couple of games you don't see that that often but the colts are um a team that are that is prepared for these situations
1: yeah, like you said, might win a couple games. They've they won already five games on the year already. So they're sitting at five and three. I know I didn't expect that. Obviously, like you mentioned, when Andrew Luck went out. But just watching Jacoby Brissett play the game, I mean, he's just experienced. And I don't know where he got it from because, you know, he had to sit for a couple of years, and then all of a sudden they make the trade for him. And he's actually played more the last two years, just that we weren't focused, obviously, on the Colts as much because Andrew Luck took over last year. Obviously not there this year. And then you look at Jacoby Brissett, and I'm like, man, this team is actually really good. And a lot of it has to do with Jacoby. So, like you mentioned, just a little MCL sprain, a little strain. He should be back in about a week, maybe two weeks. Um, Brian Hoyer is a guy who won't mess it up for you. And I think that just kind of helps Indianapolis right now for for the foreseeable future. I mean, for a week or two until Brissett's able to come back uh another big injury coming out of week number 9 and this one I think uh is another is a big one because it really affects the quarterback right we've been talking about a, you know an injury to a, uh to Jacoby Brissett but this injury to a wide receiver for the Philadelphia Eagles Deshaun Jackson will possibly uh I haven't seen the confirmation yet but he has a, a what is it an abdominal injury uh, or a core muscle injury that's not allowing him to get to his full speed, uh, played a little bit in the games, and they just sat him out, and now they're saying it's going to be kind of a, a longer injury. And so we'll see what the designation is for a guy like Deshaun Jackson. But, man, Carson Wentz and, he, and Deshaun Jackson have not had that chemistry yet. They've only had a chance to play with each other one game. You saw what it looked like, right? I think Deshaun had a couple touchdowns in that one game that he played but outside of that, um, he hasn't been out there. And I think that the Philadelphia Eagles offense has looked different without Deshaun Jackson. He was supposed to be the big play threat. Now he possibly may be out. But it's almost to a point like he's out. But honestly, do they really even have him, no Ted? Yeah. I mean,
0: they, 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 they've gotten used to playing without him. Uh, but they need that deep threat. They just need somebody to take the top off the defense. Um, Aglor's could be that guy, but he just he's so inconsistent with his hands. Um, so yeah, they just you know defenses are able to play closer closer to him just because they don't they don't have a guy to take the top off. And I think that I saw read somewhere that the injury was described as the muscle is torn off the bone. I don't I don't know how <laughs> that happens for a core injury, but I mean that's rough. That's rough for Jackson, and he he is exactly what this offense needs. But unfortunately, he's gonna be out for for a while.
1: Yeah, Deshaun Jackson only uh, nine catches, 159 yards and two touchdowns. So we saw early on what it looks like for Deshaun Jackson. He'll be out for an extended period of time. And will he be able to come back if this team makes the playoffs? Um, Who knows? But that's a, a big, big injury uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles. Looking over to a, an AFC team that's really been a surprise, I think, of the NFL. We'll get into them a little bit more. But the Oakland Raiders probably going to be without Trent Brown, right tackle. Um, he's got a knee injury. And to me, they went out and paid a lot of big money for Trent Brown. And he's actually kind of held up his end of the bargain, right? He's come out and been a solid right tackle uh, so far for them. But him being out does make this offensive line uh, possibly have to shuffle up some more pieces that they like they've already been doing this year so far. Yeah,
0: Um center Rodney Hudson didn't play um last game uh but I think he might be able to play on Thursday night he he almost played uh he almost played against the Lions but he just couldn't do it uh they saw he couldn't do it pre-game uh but he he's so tough I mean he played with kidney stones one game and <laughs> mm-hmm. uh I think I'll end up playing this game Trent Brown uh he he, I think he re-aggravated his, his uh, knee early in the game against the Lions. He tried to go back in, but he just didn't look like himself, so he had to take himself out. He, he, he looked really frustrated on the sidelines. I, I was there for that game. He clearly wanted to go back in, uh, but he there's a chance he might play. He had an MRI, and the, the damage wasn't too bad. Um, Arden Key also was injured. I, I think he might be out for a while. It looked like he he broke his foot there. He he posted on IG, and he, he's in a huge boot. Uh, which which stinks because he, he was really he was starting to come on. Uh, he had two sacks two week, uh in two weeks, so he 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 was finally starting to um, you know live up to some of that promise. Um, and the Raiders were doing some interesting things with him, having him rush from the inside on uh, pass rush situations. So just unfortunate for Arden Key.
1: Yeah, it's so unfortunate because the Raiders obviously they're on a nice little run, and you start seeing their younger players really starting to take shape and, and and really come into their own a little bit so i know that's a big injury obviously for the raiders um kind of just breaking in the last couple minutes ted and i'll get your early thoughts on this we kind of knew this would be coming uh but more so we knew a change may come at the quarterback position in the future but for the carolina panthers cam newton has been placed on injured reserve that means that his season basically is over and kyle allen will now be the starting quarterback for the rest of the year for the Carolina Panthers. Um, we knew the injury was a lot lot worse we felt at times, but we never got a timetable from Ron Revere. And now, Ted, the game is kind of handed to Kyle Allen, and it's like, has Cam Newton played his last down with the Carolina Panthers?
0: I, I think if Kyle Allen continues to play as well as he has been and shows improvement, I, I, I think that um, – the, the Panthers would be wise to trade Newton for some uh some trade compensation, get get something out of it. I mean, if you're the Chicago Bears and you know you still have a really good defense and you I think you have to admit at this point Mitchell Trubisky just isn't a, isn't the guy. I mean could you imagine the um Newton with with the Bears? Mm. I mean, if they yeah. if he's healthy and they could get some good quarterback play out of him and that bears defense is still playing at a high level. Um, I think that, and they, they don't have a first round draft pick next year, so they could trade future assets uh, for Newton if they, if they need to. Uh, but I mean, even if the bears don't trade for him, I'm sure they could find a, a trade partner, get something from Newton and continue to, to develop Allen. I mean, they're winning games with him right now.
1: Yeah, they are winning games and he, you know, he, he's actually surprised me so far this year. Cause You know, you didn't even really know much about Kyle Allen, right? He played at a couple different universities and then, you know, got a chance to, to, um, you know, for his opportunity to play this year. And I was like, you know, how good is this kid? And he's been great this year. I mean, he's completing about 60% of his passes, nine touchdowns, four interceptions you mentioned that the team is winning uh, without cam newton uh the only hiccup was the san francisco 49ers ted and uh, we could say that that's probably the, one of the best teams in football if not the best obviously record wise they are 8-0. so that's been uh that's just a huge one for the people of carolina right now that their rest uh, or their playoff hopes rest on the arm of cal allen and we'll see what he can do but cam newton out for the year with that foot injury um, another injury that we've kind of been focusing on is the injury to Adam Thielen, the wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, did not play um, last game in, against the Chiefs. And look, they, they, they sure didn't need him because we knew that was going to be a high scoring game. Kirk Cousins without one of his top, you know, for sure, sure handed weapons. And so with Thielen out, obviously the onus goes on Stephon Diggs a little bit more to have to make plays, Kyle Rudolph to tight end. in. But what do you see from Adam Thielen that makes him so special when he's on the field? And when he's off the field, how does that affect the offense for Minnesota?
0: Yeah, for a guy like Kirk Cousins, who um, who needs to play in structure and uh, needs a guy like Adam Thielen in the slot, he, it just makes his life so much easier because he's able to find those holes in the zones Kirk knows exactly where he's gonna be, and he could throw with anticipation. He doesn't have to hang on to the ball when um, Thielen's in the game. Obviously, Stefan Diggs is is a beast on the outside too. Uh, but you know, when you're playing with those outside receivers, sometimes you have to buy time f- for them to get open. And you know, Kirk's not terrible at that, but that's not his game. His game is getting rid, rid of the ball on time and uh, in rhythm. And uh, Thielen helps so much with that. And it you know, obviously when uh, you you have a guy go out, you kind of expect him to play and you have him um, not be able to play in the game against the chiefs. Um, That really hurts your offensive strategy. And you saw that against uh, in that game where they couldn't get going against a bad chiefs defense. And um, they were, the chiefs were able to win with a a game with Matt Moore uh, again, you know, they played a, they played a good game against green Bay. Couldn't pull out that game, uh, but they were able to win a game with Matt Moore and stay, on top of the on top of the AFC West, and that was a huge win for them uh, because Mahomes might be coming back next week.
1: Mm, yeah, Mahomes possibly coming back next week, and goes to one of our last little news and notes nuggets of week number nine, going into week number ten. Um, another guy coming back from injury could be starting or will be starting. Nick Foles named the starter in Jacksonville. The Gardner-Minchu era, is it on hold for a little bit? We shall see. But Gardner-Minchu um, kind of being replaced in favor of Nick Foles, who was the offseason prize uh, get for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And look, Minchu was 61% passing uh, completion percentage. He threw 13 touchdowns to so four interceptions. But there was times, obviously, he was a rookie, and it showed at times in moving the football and so now they go to Nick Foles, which I think is kind of the right decision. You sign him for a reason. You want to see what he's got. And you still, you're know, you not done with Minshew, but you know what you got as far as a backup and then kind of groom him moving forward. Um, do How much do you want to see out of Nick Foles? And can Nick Foles still turn this thing around for him, for the Jaguars sitting at four and five?
0: Yeah, I mean, for the for the Jaguars to be able to get Minshew that late in the draft, not have to... Um, Invest high draft capital into the quarterback position, but get good play from a rookie quarterback. I mean, that's that that's great for the franchise. And um, like you said, I, I think you put them on hold. You want to see what you get from Nick Foles, and you you maybe if he plays good, then you could dangle him as trade bait if you feel like you want to go with Minshew uh, next year. Uh, but yeah, I mean, f- for Minshew to show that much promise as a rookie. Um, it, it, it just gives the Jaguars a lot of options with both quarterbacks. And I, I do think it's the right decision to to go back with Foles because Minshew was starting to wane a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, do you think that the, if Foles plays well, would you go with Foles moving forward in the future? Or do you use him as trade bait to, and then go with Minshew when he has a, a second year of development?
1: Yeah, I would think you, everything's on the table uh, if you're Jacksonville. And look, right now, they're still in the heat uh, or the hunt uh, of of a playoff berth, four four and five. They're going back to Nick Foles. Maybe, you know, Big Nick can come back and bring that same magic that he had, obviously with the Philadelphia Eagles, maybe in the Super Bowl run and even last year, he just played so well. And so I think you want to see what that looks like first. If Nick Foles kind of flames out the rest of this year, then I think you move to Gardner Minshew and just kind of start developing that. You found something in Gardner Minshew, so I think, if he's not necessarily the starter by the end of the year, he's definitely going to be the starter either next year or have have him compete with Nick Foles. So I just think a lot. Just basically, this is Nick Foles' opportunity now. He's pretty much got what seven games to play to show everybody that he should be the starting quarterback uh, in Jacksonville. So actually, I think it kind of works out uh, on both sides, right? Because you got Nick Foles, who's gonna basically prove it. And if it doesn't work out, you feel like, hey, we got a guy in Gardner Minshew who just wasn't quite ready yet. We give him a little bit more time to mature um, as far as a you know NFL quarterback, and I think he'll be fine. So interesting to see how that kind of plays out, Ted. But week nine had two teams enter undefeated, the New England Patriots and the San Francisco 49ers. Week nine ended, only one team remained undefeated.
0: They're legit. Their front seven is legit. They can get after the quarterback. Their defense is for real. The only thing that concerns me, you're not going to always win games 51-13, 51-10. Some of these games are going to be nip and tuck. You turn the ball over in a nip and tuck ball game, you get your butt beat. Are they going 16-0? No, I don't believe they'll go 16-0. But I would Would I be surprised if they went 14-2? Absolutely not.
1: And that's the San Francisco 49ers, the only team without a loss But they got it done differently, right? They did it differently in terms of how they won. It was all about the defense, defense, defense. But yet it was a performance by Jimmy Garoppolo that kind of propelled this team to a win over the Arizona Cardinals. But man, I think I read this somewhere, Ted. If you put a bet down to begin the season, like 25 or I think it was like maybe 100 bucks that the 49ers would be the last remaining team I think it would have netted you about 2500 bucks. So I, I know I missed out on that one, Ted. I know you probably missed out on that. But uh, I guess I could ask this question with each win from the 49ers. But how shocked are you just to see this team still sitting here undefeated going into week number 10?
0: Yeah, I, again, I, I thought the Niners were going to be a playoff team this year. But it's, it's absolutely shocking to see that they are undefeated, the last undefeated team at the, at this point. Um, and it just goes to show you how good of a coach Kyle Shanahan is. And, you know, people look at the record in his past couple of years. But if you really watch the Niners, you would see that they were a, a well-coached team that were just missing pieces. And they, ha- they had dealt with a lot of bad injury luck um, the past couple of years. And they, they're still banged up this year. Yeah, how about they, yeah, but they still just banged up. But they just aren't as banged up as they have been. Because the last two years has just been ridiculous as far as injury uh but but they they're still banged up offensively i mean they're missing their two tackles they're missing use check so it, it just this team is, is still getting better which is uh the scary part for the for the nfl i don't know if i buy them as a top team in, as the nfl just because they're undefeated just yet but they are definitely in the top five top three teams in the nfl
1: no i i agree with that definitely and, and they're showing it each and every week and I know we went over a couple injuries earlier, but one more injury that really just came to mind, we're talking San Francisco, um, is the injury to Quan Alexander, one of the uh, middle linebackers. And one of the hard parts about that for me, Ted, is this. Watching him play football and Quan Alexander, uh, along with Fred Warner, to me, they both, they, they remind me of the old school Navarro Bowman and Patrick Willis, right? I mean, they had that kind of feel to it when I watched them play because Warner was all over the field. Quan Alexander brought that excitement in and downhill tenacity. And the more and more I watched them, I'm like, man, these two, they're pretty good. They kept popping up on tape, popping up on tape. And now Quan Alexander out for the rest of the year with a torn pec. Um, th- that affects the defense. And I think this is just a quick question on this one, Ted, because a lot of people are asking now, what do the 49ers do? Do they play more base now? Or do they probably go with a um just a more of a, a, a two linebacker look with green law or al Chassier. uh you know i mean just uh in in terms of the the two linebacker play or three linebacker play how do you think the 49ers handled this Quan alexander injury
0: yeah i think you you stick with your 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 scheme i don't think you you move things around too much um uh but yeah you, you play Greenlaw and you you hope he could hold up against a run uh but where you really miss alexander is how good uh, both of those guys were in coverage together yes mm-hmm. uh, they, i mean they were flying around everywhere sniffing out screens covering uh tight ends and it was tough to pass on those two um uh, so i i think you could get a little creative and maybe uh did, did what san diego did last year with moving safety uh playing some safeties at linebacker it, during uh pass, passing situations i think uh tart could be really good in that role actually yes absolutely uh, so I, I think um, they'll they'll be able to survive, but Quan Alexander he was playing at a really really high level, so obviously this this is gonna hurt. Um, but they they have enough talent on the defensive line where they'll be able to um, they'll be able to get by. Uh, but their defense won't be as good as it, it was with Alexander in the middle.
1: Yeah, I, I totally I'm right with you on that one with the 49ers and Quan Alexander. So we'll see what happens now with his loss. Um, and where the Niners defense goes from here. But we know that's one of the games that we'll be previewing in a little bit on the Run the Film podcast here. Kirk Morrison, along with Ted Nguyen. But now we switch gears a little bit. We recapped some of the games from week number nine, and we focused on three games, really. And the first game that we focused on was maybe, I think, the shocker of the weekend. Um, I know it definitely shocked me, um, but the Green Bay Packers, Fly to Los Angeles to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. The team got 35 points a game the last five weeks. Yep. Defense, we had a hell of a game plan. Yeah. You, yeah. you did a great job today. Yeah. Great job oh, today. Yeah, am. Right yeah. Offense, we knew at some point we had to establish the run. Okay, I thought you started that in the first quarter, all the way to the fourth quarter. That's how you finish a football game. Running the football, yes, hell of a job. And man a lot of people had the chargers just basically getting beaten up right just getting smacked around um just a team that was you know they had you know, just inconsistent at times but yet green bay was some were saying, was the best team in the NFC maybe even the NFL even over the patriots and 49ers and man what a rude awakening the chargers really controlled this game from the beginning they went at 26 to 11 but man, I've, I got some thoughts on it. I'll let you start first, Ted. What did you see when you rewatched this game?
0: Uh, I think the the Chargers are getting healthy. Um, they were banged up. Hunter, Hunter Henry, their tight end, was was hurt. Um, Gordon was holding out, and and Russell Kung was hurt. And now that um, they have a left tackle back, Phillip Rivers has a little bit more time. And uh, man, it's just funny watching philip rivers because every time you watch him he throws with that like three quarters delivery yeah, but
1: a shot put i call it yeah <laughs> call. But, but,
0: but when he has time man he's so precise with the ball he hits guys in strides give him opportunities to uh run he, he could hit contested uh passes so getting that get getting his left tackle back obviously is, is really big for him um and bosa is just and yeah, he's bose and ingram just they destroy guys on on the edge they, well, one of the best um edge duos in the league um but the packers just you know i, I don't know if they they overlooked the chargers i, I think it could it'd be a definite possibility because they were winning um they, they were they were on a winning streak and um going into san diego san diego hasn't been playing well and they ran into i gotta t- i gotta
1: i gotta stop you here I gotta make sure in Los Angeles, we just call them Chargers. Oh, that way sorry, we don't have sorry, to. Sorry. Get, <laughs> <laughs> I get you all. The, no, trust me. It's the running joke down here in Los Angeles where people still prefer them, refer to them as the San Diego Chargers, but yet. They are technically LA, and in their ransom reports. They possibly yeah. could be London this week. But it was, it was good. But no, you go ahead, continue though. The Chargers, go ahead, continue. Yeah, the
0: Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, <laughs> um, they. I think Green Bay could have been overlooking them a little bit here. You know, the Green Bay was on on a win streak, um, and. Um they came into the, the Chargers just weren't playing well. So they, they went into the Chargers, maybe expecting to roll over them. And uh the Chargers are a healthier team now and ga- gave them a good game. Um the pressuring at Rogers was obviously a big key, and they um they had too many negative plays, I thought. Eight penalties for 45 yards. 45 yards isn't much, but uh when you're putting yourselves at, it, you know in third and thirteen situations and um a little longer situation third down situation than you're used to it 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 hurts um so yeah it was really surprising that the chargers were able to uh, beat the packers handily like they did
1: so i got a couple thoughts on this one ted bear with me here a little bit let me get on the soapbox you ready um i looked at this matchup and i kind of similar to what you thought okay green bay comes in to the west coast Um, feeling pretty good about themselves, right? They're sitting on top. They're 7-1. It's like, oh, we good, we good. And and boom, all of a sudden, they get smacked in the mouth, right, just literally from the beginning of the game. The Chargers really took it to the Packers, who um, I thought the Packers kind of walked in as if, hey, kiss the rings, yet they hadn't won anything. Uh, They've been successful for the most part and the Chargers are a hungry football team. They're very hungry, and they took it from the beginning of the line. I thought the pass rush for the Chargers, uh, they came to play. You start to see, you mentioned they're healthy, but they're healthy with Melvin Ingram, who had battled some injuries a little bit on the outside. Uh, They're healthy with Joey Bosa on the other side. Those two guys have been, when they're on the field together, they're a tough bunch to block. When they're on the same side together, I've seen it before, they're tough to block, but now there's stunts and things like that up front. I really thought forced Aaron Rodgers to find some guys early that he just, that it just, it didn't, it didn't look right. It didn't look effective in the beginning of the game. And you could just kind of see it. that's one part of it. And this is the second part, Ted. And, and, and I don't make excuses, but sometimes I do give reasons. And so I, I thought maybe I found some reasons. And this is what I'm going to with this game, that the chargers, they fired their offensive coordinator. During the week, right? No more Ken Wisenhunt. So Ken Wizenhunt is out. Uh, you know, Coach Anthony Lynn said, you know what? It's you know, I had to make a decision, tough decision, because I always thought that Ken Wisenhunt, good offensive mind, along with Phillip Rivers, those two guys together, yeah, they could make some good, you know, football harmony. And obviously, it didn't work out, so they move on. So they they basically elevate the quarterback's coach, Shane Station. Okay, so he goes from quarterback's coach to offensive coordinator. This is his first time called in place, okay. This is his first time being the offensive coordinator. He's been with the organization for a long time, but to me, Ted, I'm not calling it an excuse, but I'll give a reason. I'm not so sure Mike Pettin even knew who Shane Steichen was before going into this <laughs> game, right? And yeah. and honestly, if I'm a defensive coordinator in the NFL, and I know a bunch of them guys who I've worked with or you know have coached me. I know the lengths of how they study, of what they watch. And they go down and they're looking at film and it's like, how do we watch film or what are the tendencies or what do we have to look out for with a guy we don't even know who he is? And so I think a lot of that had to do with Green Bay just really being unprepared. Like they're going off of what the Chargers had done in prior weeks, but yet a new offensive coordinator comes in and do what? He's going to put his his stamp on it. He's gonna put his mark on it, and obviously that mark was doing what? Running the football. It was the added to me the um, basically saying, "Look, we're going to hand the ball off to Melvin Gord, and we're going to hand the ball off to Austin Eckler." I mean, just think about how many carries they had in this game. They ran the ball over thirty plus times. Thirty, actually thirty-five, well thirty-four times, I think, to be exact. So, the emphasis was there in the passing game. And then going 5 of 11 on third down to me, that to me was where I thought this game was won. At. I think everyone was so caught up on Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen. And I thought that, you know, he got Hunter Henry involved a little bit more to tie it in. He had the most targets of everyone. So, to me, Shane Steichen comes in as a new offensive coordinator. His first game as an offensive coordinator in the NFL. And I thought it was successful by the way that he handled things, by the way that he went out and he called the game. I just thought that this is one of the reasons why as well. And it was more ball control. Can you believe that the, the, I almost said it there, the the Los Angeles Chargers held the ball for 35 minutes? Yeah. 35 minutes.
0: Watching the film, I I didn't see how, you know, I didn't really pay attention to the clock, but I just saw that. Man, the, 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 it seemed like the Chargers ran so many more plays than, uh, than the Packers. They did, 68
1: plays to 49. Yeah,
0: and that's the yeah. one weakness that the Packers have is their run defense is so bad. So uh, the Chargers were just be able to run the ball down their throats. And I think it was a bad matchup because the, the Packers, they obviously they don't want to run their outside zone game, but it's hard running outside zone against uh, those edge defenders. Those edge
1: pressures, yeah. You're right, those, those edge defenders who are long too. Those guys are just like – um, and that's one thing, too, that like you have your guys who are just You know, specialists, right? Comp, just they all they do is they come in, they rush on third down. That's not Bosa. That's not Ingram. Those two guys, they play every down, and they're just equally as good in stopping the run as they are as getting after the passer. Um, so look, big game for the Chargers. They go out and win. I like what they did defensively. Um, I like what they did offensively as well, uh, for the most part. And then also they return their kicker, right? Mike Badgley, He comes in and booms like four field goals too as well because, look, don't get me wrong, Mike Petten was stopping that offense. It was just that they kept getting, the Chargers kept getting yards. They didn't get touchdowns, but think about it, had they got touchdowns. This game would have been an even bigger blowout, yet the, they hold four field goals in the first uh, first three quarters uh, for the Chargers. Um, but, yeah, this was one of those games where you scratch your head a little bit. Now, do I call, that? I ask you this question before we move to our next game, though, Ted. Is this a th- throwaway game, or just kind of like what I see all week long. Oh, the Packers were exposed. I don't. I, to me, I don't know if it was an exposed game, but I'm really going to chalk it up to one team being extremely hungry. At four and five, the, the Chargers are looking and saying, look, Patrick Mahomes still may be out. This is our only time to make up ground within this division, maybe even get up there and, and be at the top of the division if they lose another game. I saw that, or was it more... Green Bay walking in and just saying, ah, we got this. We just show up and just put put us down for a W.
0: Yeah, I think this is more of a throwaway game. I don't think you can completely excuse it. Because I think that the Chargers are getting healthy and getting becoming a better team. But I, I do feel like Green Bay kind of, you know, blew this game off a little bit. Uh, so I, I wouldn't say that the, the Packers are, uh, were exposed. I I think they'll come back and still have finished the season strong. Um, but – Yeah, uh, I think this is more uh, of the Chargers kind of arriving and
1: um, coming back into the fold of things. As we turn to our next game, Buccaneers at Seahawks. (laughs) us to be able to go
0: down the field, let's go win the game. What's the circumstances? What's the situation? Let's go do it. You know, and I think that confidence, that unwavering belief, it's real. And just the language that we talk about and the things how we say it and how we go about it. And teams know it too. I think teams, you know, feel it a little bit to be honest with you. It's a good thing that we're finding ways ways to win. There's there's so much more to do though. You know, we haven't really done anything yet in our opinions. We got a lot more to do.
1: You know, this is, you know, kind of the uh, going behind the curtain a little bit here. I'll run the film with Kirk Morrison and Ted to win. But I-, I drafted Jameis Winston as a quarterback for my fantasy because I always tell people that, look, it's a gift and a curse, but it's more of a gift than a curse because Jameis can throw you into a game. He can throw you out of a game. It's just about how many interceptions that he throws. But when he doesn't throw interceptions, the dude is actually a pretty good quarterback. And so I saw... Some of those flashes as well on why I think he's still the future of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But it's just that when you look on the other side of the field, and to me right now, the leading candidate for an MVP in the National Football League, Russell Wilson, Look, the Seahawks and Buccaneers, it was a good game. It goes into overtime. Seahawks ended up winning 40 to 34, but another masterful performance by Russell Wilson and I I just, there's so much that you want to say about Russell, but it's just like, the dude is just good. Like, I can't nitpick his game anymore. Um, I can't say that he's too short. You can't say this. You can't say that. I mean, the, the dude finds everybody. And I'll say this before I ask you just, you know, kind of what you saw in the game. I, I would say that I was wrong. And I'm okay to say that when I'm wrong or raise my hand and say, you know what? I did not think that DK Metcalf would be this good in the National Football League. I just said, no, oh, here's another big-body wide receiver, one of those strong guys, just really stiff, probably can't, you know, do much. And yet, I look at where he's at right now, uh, you know, still, for a complimentary receiver, 29 catches on the year, over 500 yards receiving, and five touchdowns halfway through the year, he's been a really solid performer. He had another big game the other day as well. And so now, Ted, I just... Um, as I, as I throw it to you, what else stood out to you about this game?
0: Uh, I agree with a lot of what you said. I mean, watching Winston, some of the throws he makes, you're just like, man, this guy could. looks like when he's on, he looks like he could be a he's top on. five quarterback in yeah. the NFL. But he, he's just so careless, not just with interceptions, but uh, when the pocket's collapsing around him, he just sometimes he doesn't have a good feel for where those defenders are, so he gets stripped. Uh, I think he had a big fumble in this game too um
1: uh, yes but, he did it was like yeah. it just slipped out of his hand like i still don't understand what happens like how does the yeah. ball slip out of your hand it's not even raining and that's
0: <laughs> happened to him multiple times you know it, it, throughout his career too um so yeah he's playing when he's on he's playing at a really high level i think he's playing good enough to warrant maybe trotting him out for another year in arian system and seeing what he could do uh, but it, it just concerns me that this...
1: So that has- would be more so, that would be him on the uh, franchise tag, because he's actually playing on the fifth-year option now. So it's crazy to think that that you know the two quarterbacks that went 1-2, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, we know Mariota, probably his time is done in Tennessee, and Jameis Winston still hanging on, could be possibly, like I said, maybe one more year, like you mentioned, at the franchise tag. I would definitely do it, but... Like yeah, but yeah, you can finish there. Go ahead. And
0: and Russell Wilson, he's playing at such a high level right now. Tampa Bay was you know they try to play a lot of man coverage against him, uh, but some of the passes he was just making, you know, with with touch, just amazing. Five touchdowns for him, and he seems a lot more under control this year than he has been in the past. Uh, he doesn't have to scramble. He's still doing it when he when he has to make plays out of structure. Uh, but it just seems like in structure right now, he's just at he's at a very good level as far as just playing in control and knowing this offense. And uh, credit to, uh, to uh, Schottemeyer. You know, we, we give him a lot of uh, I, well, I give him a lot of flack sometimes for being too conservative. But uh, this game, he, he just kind of unleashed Russell Wilson from the start and the results were were five touchdowns. And uh, but a concern for the Seahawks is, you know, they're, they're a playoff intending team. But right now, their pass rush is so bad. Um, they're not not getting any pressure on the quarterback, and they went out and they got Clowney. They went out and got Ziggy Ansah, uh, but it just hasn't paid dividends for them. And they were trying to blitz this game, uh, but they don't have enough man good man to man defenders to really hold up if the blitz doesn't hit home. So, um, the, you know, their defense is a is concern for a team that has playoff hopes.
1: You know, sometimes I think the sacks may come in bunches. You know they're just they're close, right? When I watch Jadavian Clowney, he's close. I watch Ziggy. Young, I mean, they're close to getting there, right? Puna Ford and, and kind of the guys they have in in the in the middle of that defensive line who coming up, you know, making plays. Um, uh, but they still play good team defense, though. That's the thing about it, though. They find ways to, um, you know, just get off the field, right? In, in certain times of the game where you're like, man, they need to stop, and they make that stop, right? Like you're watching this game and. Um, you know, the one thing that kind of stood out for me as well was just that um, the, this, the, this, the Seahawks have to figure it out in terms of their running game. Right. Like Chris Carson. I, I mean, I, you're going to run him and run him and run him That's great. But I've been disappointed in the rest of the guys like Rashad Penny, the number one over. I mean, their first round draft pick a year ago, a guy who went to San Diego State, um, really hasn't been a key contributor. And so a lot of it just has to be on the shoulders of Russell Wilson. It has to go on a guy who to get out of the pocket and you know make a play or get that critical third down pickup to keep the chains moving. And I think a lot of it is just really being put on him, but to a point where like they can handle it. Like I watched DK Metcalf get open, like Tyler Lockett. I don't know where he ranks in terms of top receivers, Ted, but man, the the, the, he's just he's just productive. And we, if I, I bet right now, if we said give me the top 15 wide receivers in the NFL. I, he's not on that list. Tyler Lockett's not on the top fifteen. I don't believe in the NFL right now, like top fifteen. But yet his production tells me something totally different. And I think a lot of it's probably just because of his quarterback and what he's able to do that we don't give Tyler Lockett enough credit. But as you watch this game, you know more and more. I just really thought that the the Seahawks is been what it's been run on first down you make a great play uh, on second down, you know, down the field maybe. But once it gets until like the third and fourth quarter, especially the fourth quarter it's Russell Wilson time, man. And that Russell Wilson time is it's, it's, it's fun to watch because he makes the right plays too. Like he knows when to throw it out of bounds. He knows when to slide, he knows like I protect him. And so kind of go back to your point, Ted, about Brian Schottenheimer, the offensive coordinator. I think a lot of it is, too, is that he trusts Russell to maybe even not just call his plays, which you know he's done before, but to understand the time, where they're at on the field, what's the score, what quarter are we in, and what's the situation. like. Russell Wilson is so in tune with that offense that a lot of times as a quarter, I think you just let him go out there and just be Russell. And that's what I seem to see in the fourth quarter, and that's what I saw in this game. Right, They came back and they were... Had a lead, the defense gave up a touchdown to get tied up, but then in overtime, it was like, man, come on, it's Russell Wilson. This, this is, this is, this is, this is the game right here, and then Russell takes over.
0: Yeah, and, and DK Metcalf, that's when he did most of his damage. Was uh, late in the game. He, he had, a, you know, he had an okay game uh, throughout, but then in the fourth quarter in overtime, he just kept on going. to Metcalf and, um, like we said, Tampa Bay was playing a, a bunch of man coverage, and and Metcalf just kept winning his matchup uh, against, you know, on the crossing routes. They couldn't. Stay with him, and he had the ball in his hands. He he's tough <laughs> to tackle. So yeah, um, and then they're gonna ask add Josh Gordon to the offense too. So um, right, yeah, you know another jump ball um, guy for for Wilson, who who throws maybe the the best deep ball with touch in in the league.
1: Yeah, but another like I said, another red zone target that's gonna be huge. But I think he's more the guy that can run more of the intermediate routes, right? I think DK has shown that he can fly. And be a great, uh, you know, uh, possession guy. Um, but also too, when you look at Tyler Lockett, who can fly as well, get down the field. Josh Gordon, not necessarily the biggest of burners, but he runs routes to where he just the way his precision route running gets him open, and his size gets him open. Like he's just a different skill set that they probably needed. They've been missing out on, and I think this only helps out the offense uh, for the Seattle Seahawks. So we'll see how they integrate Josh Gordon you know, into their plans. Uh, our third game that we wanted to look at, I thought was the game of the week. It was the one that I couldn't wait, like of all the games that I watched on Sunday and kind of re, I had to rewatch this one game just a couple times, just to look at a couple things because I really marvel at what the New England Patriots and the Baltimore Ravens, what they did. I'm trying to win versus anybody I play. I don't really dwell on one player or, you know, it's just this guy I want to beat. You know, um, like I said before, that's still the goal. No, nothing changed that. I'm happy to get the win, of course, and especially at MLT Bank Stadium. So it's pretty cool, but I don't really care because it's to get Tom Brady. I just want to win. Before this game and then getting to this game, like, it's just so many different things that I love about what New England's doing defensively and And then Baltimore, I mean, not Rob Ryan, but Don Wink Martindale. He was my linebackers coach in the NFL my first four years in the league. Great relationship with him, and I've been pulling for him. He's the D coordinator for Baltimore, but, man, a lot of the stuff that he was doing, like I can call it out, you know, before the play even happens. He loves to blitz. He loves to do, you know, overload one side. And the way that he frustrated Tom Brady on Sunday, man, it was just a – a great all around game. Some people are saying, oh, look at the Patriots, they've been exposed. And I'm like, no, the Patriots lost in early November. They don't they play until mid to late December every year. I mean mid to late January every year for a reason. Um, I just saw that Lamar Jackson brought a different element that the Patriots defense wasn't able to handle. And I'm and I'm kind of scratching my head, Ted. I would have thought the Ravens defense would have played better in that situation. They just didn't really have an answer for most of the game for Lamar Jackson.
0: No, they. It wasn't just Lamar. It was that offensive line. Marshall Yanda yes. was was so good. Um, oh yeah, he was. And they they just pulverized the interior of that uh, that Patriots uh, middle. But you could tell Bill Belichick had a lot of respect for Lamar Jackson because you know they were a team that was just playing. They were playing exclusively man to man coverage and just blitzing all these young young quarterbacks. But against uh, against the, the Ravens, they the first play of the game they, they had like some crazy disguise coverage and ended up being cover six and uh they were doing all sorts of things to mix up uh what they wanted to do against uh Jackson to try to confuse him but he was just so poised and uh even when the his first few reads weren't open he was able to make plays with his legs. Um so yeah, just a, a kind of a, a stepping up game for uh for Lamar Jackson to show everybody uh that he's a that he's arrived and uh, they're just so creative with their their spread option package, uh, and I think that's part of the reason why they just couldn't blitz that much because of um, how good they were with their spread runs. If if they uh, blitzed at the wrong time and and the Patriots were able to get past the first level, it would have been a big play. So uh, their run game was a big key in in stopping New England from blitzing and giving Lamar some extra time. And it just just such an impressive game from the young quarterback.
1: Yeah, I was impressed. Seventeen to twenty-three, one sixty-three, one touchdown, uh, sixteen carries for sixty-one yards, two touchdowns. But I think you said it there said it best. It was his poise, right? He he never looked flustered. He never looked frustrated. Um, obviously, he was having some success. But I think that early on, that three-yard touchdown run that started to, to start the game, you know, on that opening drive, you're like. Okay, this may not be going well for the Patriots, but you could just see the, the the just the confidence oozing out of Lamar Jackson. It was like, look, I can do this, and I'm good. And you could just tell, like like you mentioned, the way that offensive line blocked and what they were able to do, it was like we're going to run the football, which is kind of the game the Patriots I thought would one of would have wanted to play. Right? I looked at the Patriots in the Super Bowl; they ran the football. I looked at them uh, the game prior to that last year in the AFC Championship game. They ran the football, but yet the Ravens took that run away from them. And basically, I thought the Ravens implemented the game plan that we've seen from the Patriots the last season, I guess. They implemented it. They ran the football well. Mark Ingram look, goes from New Orleans, goes to now Baltimore, and he's a perfect fit for what they want to do, right? He's the perfect fit because he's the downhill runner. He's not trying to run stretch. He's not trying to run, you know, the zone runs. No, he's trying to like well, he's trying to run the downhill zone read, I should say. But he's not trying to run sweeps and 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 all that sweeps and stretches. He's trying to go downfield and and I mean, trying to put that foot in the ground and that works because you're almost as a defender, you're trying to guard for two plays, right? Lamar Jackson pulling it down and then now you're trying to worry about tackling Mark Ingram. And it's 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 a gift and a curse. It's like, what do you want to take away? You got to take away Jackson. I mean, it's uh, Ingram first, but yet when you don't, that's when Lamar Jackson goes in for a touchdown run, and you're like, oh no, what just happened? And so he didn't have the biggest numbers throwing the football, but I just thought that just his running ability and his command of the offense, and just taking their time and having patience, that ultimately is what made this game. I just thought looked. Pretty easy because they pretty they handled the New England Patriots, which is still, as I said, shocking for me.
0: Yeah, and they weren't trying to go deep, and they weren't trying to hit a bunch of deep passes. But Jackson was able to convert a bunch of uh short and medium third downs uh, that were key to keeping the the drive going. And, and you're right, Ingram is such a good fit in his offense because. He's that tough inside runner. And then the outside runner is Lamar Jackson because yeah, if, if he's not heading it off. He, he's running outside. And there, there were a few times in the game where he made the wrong read, but he was still fast enough to just get away from those Patriot defenders. Um, so he, yeah, he's just a, a special athlete. And it's pretty fun to um, watch this really unique offense. And that's one of the reasons why uh, I think people shouldn't over, overrate this performance or uh, as far as saying that the Patriots are done because. This is just an offense that is really hard to defend, and uh, it's hard to do in, in one week. Uh, so uh, you know the Patriots will they'll regroup, they'll adjust, and uh, it seems like this happens every year where they have this one huge bad game, and everybody's just like, <laughs> "Whoa, it's it's over!" And then they adjust, and then somehow they're in the the, the Super Bowl again. So uh, great performance by by the the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, uh, but this Patriots team is definitely not done yet.
1: No, they're not done at all, and they're going to continue to get better. If you ask Bill Belichick, hey, nine games into the season, you're 8-1, and he would take that, and they know that there's still the important games come up, which is late November and you get into December. Those two are the games that I want to want, And one last guy I got to give a big shout-out to watching him play, but Earl Thomas, man, that dude was (laughs) – he was all over the field. He really – I thought he – the buying game between Earl Thomas – and, 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 and Tom Brady was fantastic because he's trying to show Tom a different look and then Tom is thinking one thing and then they show something different. I just thought that, you know, with those quarterbacks like Tom and guys who've been around before, they've seen a lot of defense. I thought that Earl Thomas really brought a different element of disguising coverage and also just being better than the master for, for uh, you know, at least for one game. So that was fun to watch. Um, in week number nine. So as we close up week number nine uh, and get ready for week number 10, there's a couple more games that we want to just take a look at before we go with our rapid fryer preview for week number 10. But I think this is my game of the week for week number 10 of all the games that we have scheduled Ted, this game to me, Seattle at San Francisco They've come a long ways in a short time, and Kyle's done a really nice job to turn the corner. You know, to get to this point, they've always shown really good signs. This is a high-tech team. They're on their stuff. Their schemes, their principles, are really good, and they've always been that. They just had trouble getting it all together and getting their wins. They're together now. They they really really are sharp in all aspects of their team. The way they're firing, it's a very very difficult team because they're complete. They they look like a really complete football team. That is now the game of the week because. I, I think people are still trying to figure out, is this San Francisco team? Are they for real? Are they? Is, is this just a flash in the pan? Like, what is it? Because we know what Seattle is. We know that they've been there. They've done that with who they got on their team. Pete Carroll. We know all of that. But is San Francisco for real? I think that's one of the big things I'm looking at going into this game. What else are you thinking about?
0: Yeah, I think that. I mean, this is a really exciting game. I love this matchup. Monday night, Seahawks and and Niners, kind of rekindling that that rivalry.
1: Yeah, we say this this is the most important game we've seen since the Thanksgiving game, right? Remember when the uh Seattle came in and was eating the uh, the turkey legs on the fifty yard yeah. line yeah. with Richard Sherman? So it's kind of funny now that Sherman's on the Niners side. But this is a big game, Ted, and I know you you're, you're kind of circled a couple things you'll be watching.
0: Yeah, I I think. Seattle has some protection issues and that's going to be really bad against this Niners defensive line. Uh, but I think Russell will be able to make magic and, and get this offense going at times, but I don't think this is going to be a high scoring game. I think um, this will be kind of a, a low scoring game, may, you know, maybe in the twenties for, for both teams. Um, but yeah, I'm for, if I'm the Seattle, I'd be really concerned with uh, especially the interior of my offensive line against the interior of the, uh, the Niners defensive line with um, Buckner and Armstead inside. Uh Sherman is playing at a really high level and obviously he he knows Wilson very well from uh playing in Seattle all those years. So I think he'll give him some trouble as well. Um uh, as far as offensively, um I think they might get uh they might get Staley back this game. I they might even get McClinchy back. I'm I'm not I'm not sure but Uh, we talked a little bit about how Seattle's having trouble pressuring the quarterback. And if they can't get to Garoppolo, um, I don't know if he's going to light them up, but I I think he'll make enough plays uh, to move this offense. Um, And and Sanders is such a good fit for this offense that I think he's going to make some uh, big plays as well. I I think the Niners will end up pulling this one out, uh, but I think it's going to be close uh, and low scoring. I think maybe 24-20. Or some, something like that would be uh, yeah. it's gonna happen.
1: Yeah, I, I think one thing that I wanna look at is obviously what I know this kind of pressure, and I'm just thinking of what could hurt me, right? I'm, if I'm a defensive coordinator, what can hurt me? I think it's gonna be a huge quick screen game, right? There's gonna be a ton of quick screens. Um, they probably won't have Josh Gordon available. Who knows? But if they do, I think how do you get him involved early? Just line up, catch. I mean, you know, snap the football, throw it to him, get him in their hands. So I think it's going to be a lot of Tyler Lockett and Josh Gordon. Those quick screens, to kind of, and then get the defense going left. To, I mean, sideline to sideline. I mean, try to you know make this pass rush tire out a little bit. And then I think putting Russell Wilson on the on the move is going to see a lot a lot of that. Right, giving him some run pass option reads. Um, basically getting an extra blocker up there like a running back to hold the edge and allow him to give enough time to survey the field and if it's not there we know Russell will throw the ball away so I don't think it's kind of putting him in harm's way and then I think the last thing that I want to see as well is just the emotions of this game right I mean it's (laughs) this could be one of those highly emotional games so which team can you know can keep the penalties down, right in terms of Uh, all penalties, whether it's personal fouls, whether it's, you know, the holding, false start, the focus really has to be there. I think this is an interesting matchup with a lot of those people who don't, or fans who, or players, who remember that Seattle and San Francisco rivalry just a couple, like a couple years ago, they know that it comes down to the fourth quarter. It's going to come down to it. And that's why I'm kind of leaning toward Russell Wilson in the fourth quarter, just being a magician. And the 49ers really having their first I guess true test in November, right? In in a in a game. So that's why I'm kinda leaning more toward the Seahawks. But it's gonna be definitely a fun game to watch. And I'm glad we get to get it on Monday night, Ted. Um our next game, Vikings-Cowboys. You got to start fast. You got to play well in the middle, and you got to finish. And the
0: determination and the will of this football team is outstanding. Got a quick turnaround this week. So we're going to get in late, uh, get your rest, get ready to go on Wednesday in our preparation for Minnesota.
1: Uh, Cowboys came off a big victory on Monday night versus the New York Giants. They're also getting healthy as well. But you look at Minnesota. Uh, heartbreaking loss last week right a game that honestly i thought that they should have won uh, at kansas city um kirk cousins to me it was a big game and so people are going to say oh big game kirk cousins doesn't play well but i, I thought he did it was he was 19 to 38 th- through three touchdowns and 220 he missed on a couple throws yes but um let's be honest that defense for kansas city not the greatest of defense but they did their thing on third down right they held the Minnesota Vikings to, you know, just 33% on third down. But I think kind of moving forward, Ted, when you look at this game, I think the bigger question for me is it being inside, in indoors, right? Kirk Cousins on a late window, the Vikings at home. I mean, Vikings in another big game. How does he perform, right? That's what it comes down to every single week now. I'm just looking at Kirk Cousins because D- Dalvin Cook is going to get the football. They're trying to figure it out. You know, We talked about early uh, the who's going to be the next guy to step up outside of Adam Thielen. Last week it was Laquan Treadwell had a couple catches, had to actually led the team in receiving last week. But that's where I'm looking at Kirk Cousins to have to step up a little bit because they're going to be without one of their b- big-time receivers again in Adam Thielen.
0: Yeah, and the Cowboys are playing, at, playing pretty well right now. So I, I think without Thielen – it's going to be tough for the Vikings. Um, and they, they want to run that outside zone game, but uh, the Cowboys have so much team speed on, on defense that I, I think they'll be able to stifle that run game and without dealing and, and a consistent run game, even though I, Dalvin cook is, is amazing running back. I just don't know if they could block those Cowboy defenders um, for on a consistent basis in this game. I, I have a hard time seeing the Viking, uh, the, the, yeah, the Vikings move the ball on the, on the Cowboys. Um, and I think they're, they're going to have a tough time covering, uh, Amari Cooper. They, they have bigger corners, um, that, you know, are, they can handle physical receivers. But I, I think a guy like Amari Cooper, who is just so good with his routes and so quick, I think they'll have a, a tough time covering him. So I, I think I, the Cowboys might pull this one out.
1: Mm, okay. You got Cowboys. Okay. You go Cowboys. I'll go Vikings just because of this, just for, uh, just for fun, because I think that this is one of those games where you count Minnesota out and yet they find a way to come back in and and, and pull off a stunner over against the Cowboys in Big D. For more exclusive NFL content, go to
0: theathletic.com slash run the film for a free seven-day trial and forty percent off subscription.